Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that both the next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mir is hurt now. Oh, Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts. John Anik and Kenny Florian. Great to have you with us. It is Zhang Weili's World Now, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, September 2nd, 2019. Thanks for checking back in with us. Episode 215 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Hurricane Dorian is cannonball coming, Ken Flo. I've spent the last, you know, 24, 48 hours or so getting everything ready. It's amazing how much shit has to get done to get ready for one of these because you can't you can't like bet against it, right? So you got to get everything ready, even if you're just going to get some rain. No, for sure, dude. And also, it's this back and forth of is it going to hit? Uh, is it not going to hit? You, you get conflicting reports and all that stuff, man. And having to deal with all that uh, must be crazy. And it's not just you getting ready for it; it's your whole family. So uh, I'm just glad you guys are okay, uh, and I hope you guys continue to be okay and not have to deal with this craziness. And um, there's a lot of people that aren't doing so well in the Bahamas right now. I can't even imagine the 
the destruction and just the horror of the bombs right now. Uh, there was like well, five feet of water in the airport. It looked like it was just the ocean. It, it It's crazy and scary to see. So I guess it was a Cat 5, like 185-mile-per-hour winds when it hit landfall in the Bahamas. It doesn't appear like it is going to hit landfall here in Florida. We're in our normal mm-hmm. podcast window here, and uh, the power is on right now. But just because I think it's interesting for some people, I've lived down here for four and a half years. This is the third time I've had to completely board up my house with these hurricane shutters and get everything ready. And it's sort of eerie being inside your house at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the sun shining and we're completely boarded up just expecting the worst. But, you know, you drain the pool, you you have all the trees trimmed, you know, the basketball hoop has been leveled now, it's horizontal, it's tied to a tree, mm. you know, got enough food and water and everything for a week. We have a baby here, so it may, makes things a little bit more challenging in terms yeah. of just flying out of here. You know, Joe Rogan's always telling me I'm too smart to live in the state of Florida, and increasingly I'm thinking that he's right. Um, Not that I'm that smart, just that I don't know that I want to go through this all the time. And, you know, we grew up in New England with snowstorms and things like that. And, you know, I mean, we had the blizzard of 78, you know, when you were two years old. And I think Hurricane Gloria maybe. Hurricane Gloria, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, But. I don't know, man. This is just a tough routine to sort of get into. I did look at flights to try to get my family out of here, but uh, there were none to be had. And, of course, compounding things, I got to go to Abu Dhabi tomorrow night, by the way. So I'm hoping I'll get out. Um, But uh, pretty inspiring, nonetheless, to see sort of the human spirit down here, you know, neighbors helping neighbors and everybody getting ready. Um, All right. So we got to recap the China show here because Longo's coming up in about 10 minutes, and then we will get to the monster that is UFC 242. You got six predictions coming up from Ken Flo and Ian Parker later today. Uh, I know you weren't able to ingest a lot of this China show. You have seen the highlights, and of course, it was only a 42-second main event. Zhang Wei Li is now the UFC strawweight champion. It's crazy to think in May I was in Rio de Janeiro, you know, sort of saying it's a new world order. Jessica Andrade had become the champ. Her reign lasts 42 seconds. Zhang Wei Li breaks through in a big way. 20th consecutive win she of course is the first ufc champion to have been born in china uh but big picture kenny i think the focus should be on the fighter and how good she is and and say what you want about how soon this opportunity came she certainly took advantage uh, she definitely did but it was a huge mistake from andrage i'm not sure andrage really had a healthy respect for this very skillful uh chinese striker and Um, You know, that was the way that she was going to lose this. Um, I didn't think it was completely out of the question. Uh, I doubted um, Zhang's ability to basically get it done late in the fight with a a lack of experience. But if you're going to stand up and trade with someone like uh, Zhang Weili, you're going to be in trouble. And she's very skillful. She found the target early uh, and made the Brazilian fighter pay. And, you know, this is kind of sums up what, what I see in mixed martial arts in general at the highest level. There's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of courage. There's a lot of physical aspects uh, that are very impressive to watch. But tactics and decision making uh, is really lacking, even at the highest levels amongst the among the, amongst the champions. Uh, and that was unfortunate to see. But either way, you have to have another good, skilled fighter on the other side of it. Uh, and it was Zhang Wei Li taking advantage of that poor decision making uh, and making her pay and getting it done early, man. Uh, very impressive. This is only going to fuel her and give her that much more confidence in the future. I agree with everything you just said, and I think it's important to spend some time on the Andrade side of things because we had outlined her accomplishments for years on this show, one Mm. of the most decorated UFC fighters, at least on the women's side for sure. 
And it took her a while to break through, right? Second championship opportunity after losing to, you know, Jacek breaks through against Rose Namajunas. And she doesn't seem to even regret the decision in this fight against mm-hmm. someone like Zhang. You know, I'm looking at the betting line before the fight, looking at this under, over under, the total is four and a half rounds, minus 130 on the under. And I'm thinking, Andrade's style is such that I feel like she's just going to get after it early and might pay the ultimate price. I don't yeah. know that there's much defense of that approach, uh, certainly some lessons to be learned for Andrade, but you don't want to take credit away from Zhang, but still, right, you become the champion, you finally get the belt, and then you're just going to go suicide mission, essentially, in round one? Exactly, and listen, here's the deal. Um, You, you look at you know, for, for let's forget about the, the financial side of things, right? There's a huge advantage to being a champion right. of the UFC. You're going to make a heck of a lot more money. You're going to have a lot more opportunities business-wise. Um, but at the end of the day, as a fighter, you don't want to lose, period. And the fact that she completely avoided everything that actually got her to the dance, um, I, I think— was just not a good decision in general. And you have to look at what she was doing against Rose Namajunas. It wasn't her striking that was getting it done against Rose right, Namajunas. It was ability to grapple. It was ability to slam people on the ground and uh, get it done with her grounded pound. That should have been an approach here against Zhang Wei Li. It was not. And she paid dearly for it. All right. So now Zhang Wei Li is the UFC strawweight champion she was number 15 in the world a couple fights ago, came into this title shot at number six in the world. Now she's got a C next to her name, Man. which is absolutely incredible. I mean, the whole thing is nuts, you know, given what the UFC has done, tried to do in terms of making an imprint in China with the UFC PI in Shanghai and everything else. You couldn't have drawn it up better when it comes to the co-main event with the Leech Li Jingliang and Zhang Wei Li. So Andrade certainly is going to be part of this mix, I think. She's going to stay at 115 pounds. I know she had visions of maybe successfully defending this title and then moving up to challenge Valentina Shevchenko. Mm. And and maybe, given the era that we're in, the promotion would have had an appetite for that and given her that opportunity. But for Zhang Wei Li, Rose Namajunas is there. Tatiana Suarez is there. A very intriguing possibility. Those are the number one and number two ranked contenders. What, what are you laughing at, Ken Flo? You're smiling. I, I, well, I'm laughing because I think it's hilarious how, um, you know, we were talking about the fact that this fight being in China is a huge advantage for Zhang Wei Li. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, if I'm the champ, I'm going, you know what? I'm not fighting outside of Asia. I'm staying right here. I'm going to make everyone come to me. You, I, I was thinking about how how you and I would feel like shit going all the way to Macau, and we just have to call a fight. Right, we're imagine not fighting. Fi- yeah, imagine having to cut weight. And then imagine having to fight another skilled human being who lives in that region, who's totally used to the time chain, totally used to the food, totally used to all that stuff. It is a huge advantage every single time. And that's the same reason why a lot of the Asian fighters don't have so much success coming to the United States, in my opinion. It's not the only factor, but it is a major factor. And I think it was a factor uh, for Andrade. It was a factor and and an advantage, of course, for Zhang Wei Li. Uh, and you know, uh, for her, I'm thinking she shouldn't fight anywhere outside of Asia. It's a huge advantage, man. Well, it's interesting because when Andrade won the belt, uh, Rose Namajunas was given a lot of credit and rightfully so for going to Brazil to fight yes. Andrade. 
that didn't necessarily mean that Andrade had to return the favor and then yes. three months later go defend her belt against Zhang Wei Li in China. I'm sure some part of her management team maybe had some pause, mm. maybe more for the timeline and the quick turnaround. Mm. Um, and she obviously, as she outlined on Instagram, Jessica Andrade has had an exhausting eight months with back-to-back championship training camp. She has certainly earned some time off. Uh, but they're all chasing Zhang Wei Li right now. And you're right, Kenny. Why not make everybody come to China? You know the UFC's going there at least once or twice a year or so, it seems. Zhang Wei Li's world, I'm telling you. And she's certainly a hell of a fighter, and she's exciting. And she told Dana White after the fact that she wants to stay active to that end. So in terms of the strawweight pecking order, you have a big main event coming up October 12th in Tampa, Florida. Ioana Jacek taking on the karate hottie, Michelle Waterson. That is number four versus number seven. The top three, Rose Namajunas, Tatiana Suarez, Nina Ansaroff. Of course, two versus three fought recently. Suarez is on the mend. Nama Yunus, you don't necessarily know where her headspace is right now. Uh, but but I would think if you're Rose Nama Yunus and you're looking to get back into a championship setting, uh, this fight is right there for her. Is that what you think might be next for uh, for Zhang Weili, the new champ? Without a doubt. Listen, I, I think for Rose, you know, she's pretty quiet. Um, you know, d- doesn't like doing a whole lot of interviews or PR marketing stuff, but now's the time for her to start to speak up and, and try to ask for this fight. I think she absolutely deserves it. I think she matches up very well uh, against Zhang Wei Li. Uh, and, and if that doesn't happen, then, uh, then of course, you want a young Jacek and the Karate Hottie, the winner of that fight. Uh, probably makes sense as well. And, and you got to love the way that you want a young Jacek uh, matches up against Zhang Wei Li as well. This could be an awesome opportunity for either Rose or Ioana to go back in there and get the belt. Yeah, I think Ioana is chomping at the bit. Of course, yeah. she has a big main event coming up and it's no easy task against Michelle Waterson, right? But that's a huge fight if Ioana could get past Waterson and, mm-hmm. and set up a fight with Zhang Wei Li. So again, we have long believed, both of us, that this is the UFC's deepest division among the women 115 pounds and now they're all chasing Zhang Wei Li also a nod to the leech Li Jing Leong a winner by TKO over the 14th rank Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos and huge win for the leech he had been really in need of a signature win we outlined last week here on the podcast how underrated his UFC body of work is he was ahead on all three judges scorecards so he was very close to getting this nod regardless when he gets the knockout with with just a few seconds to go but just a clean striking display from the leech. And, uh, you know, at times there have been some people who have knocked his fight IQ. There have been some transgressions with eye pokes and things like that sure. in the past. In the biggest stage, on the biggest stage, I should say, of his career, uh, he chose a great time to have his best career performance. And got to think when the new rankings come out, the leech, Lee Jing Leung, is going to be ranked for the first time in the UFC. Dude, don't sleep on the leech. Um, you know, uh, Easy. Uh, Eliseo Zaleski Dos Santos is one of those guys who's very explosive, um, has a lot of different skills, a lot of different things he can throw at you, but he can't get sloppy at times. And I really think that the leech took advantage of that, uh, was just the cleaner striker overall, was landing huge shots. And um, again, the guy is just tough as nails, man, a good dude. Uh, And it was great to see him get a big win in his home country, man. I thought the fight was closer than the commentators suggested. I had it 1-1 going into that third round, and I thought Zaleski Dos Santos certainly had his moments in that third round. So I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion, even though maybe the scorecard suggested otherwise, that the leech was going to coast to a win here. You know, I tend to prefer the forward-moving fighter, and I thought that 
Easy Dos Santos was that guy for the final 10 minutes of the fight. But uh, the finish is there. Lee Jing Leong uh, left the judges out of it and uh, gets the biggest win of his career. Another $50,000 bonus for him. Congratulations to all the fighters and especially the two Chinese fighters that really shined uh, on the back end of that main card. All right. It is time to check in with Ray Longo. Let's go to Garden City. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. What do we got, guys? What's going on, man? Appreciate you you squeezing us in on a, on a Labor Day holiday. Are you, uh, are you yeah, at the gym? What are you happy. doing? Of course I'm at the gym. We got big fans. Have you read the paper lately? There's big fans. <laughs> I mean, Kenny, I don't know guy yet the gym. I know. I thought this guy's an MMA guy. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't know. I thought he follows the sport. Maybe you've heard Ray Longo's kind of a big deal, Anik. Oh, that, <laughs> that I know. So what's the next big fight that you're preparing for? I haven't seen the newspaper yet. <laughs> well, besides the big fights, I mean, in, in September, there's about 16 guys fighting starting oh. next Sunday. And then we go three weeks in a row, and then... It's off to Australia for Raging Al down under against <laughs> uh, against uh, what's his name? <laughs> what is Dan, his name? Uh, Dan Hooker? Have Dan you read uh, the paper yeah, today? Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, uh, let me tell you something. It's 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 rainy. It's dreary over here. It's a horrible day. So right, right. Aren't person- there aren't there limitations to how hard a senior citizen needs to work? Like, don't uh, they know the hours? Uh, let me let me tell you that- some, Kenny. I to trust me. I I, I feel I I agree with you hundred uh, percent. I mean, how many hours are you gotta, putting in a week? This is ridiculous. No, this is awful. Uh, it, this is actually awful. I mean, I'm, I'm this is this is nothing short of awful. Trust me. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Geez. So anyway, we go from down under, then we got from over in Tampa and Chris in uh, your your hometown of Boston. Yes. Uh, I interviewed, uh, I was on Unfiltered last week. I had Calvin Cater on. I I told him there's a lot of pressure. Annex putting a lot of pressure on you. He said, you're the pride of Boston. You're the best thing. You you got to do this for the team, for the city of Boston, for the state of Massachusetts. Yes. <laughs> what did he say? What did he say to that? He, he, he welcomed it. He welcomed right. the pressure. I like. Oh, he, he knows. Yeah, I've, oh, already, knows, yeah. I've already privately yeah. complained to him about the fact that yeah, yeah, he was second fiddle to surprised. New York. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I yeah. noticed you complained about the New York weather as I sit here, you know, in a boarded up house in South Florida awaiting Hurricane Dorian. So I would I would take <laughs> your I would take your weather problems today, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how bad is it? Did you get hit with anything yet? Or? So it's starting to rain pretty good. I mean, obviously, we're taping this podcast right now. And we got Wi-Fi and power and everything else. So I'm optimistic that we're going to dodge the worst of it. Um, but, I, you know, I'm flying to Abu Dhabi tomorrow night. Flight is still is still on and on time. So, uh, you know, all systems go, man. The show goes on, you know. Oh, wow. So you all go. You're going to uh, Abu Dhabi. That's great. Uh, you'll be with the, uh, the terrorists over there. You'll have a good time. Oh, Matt Sarah. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Chopping That's it up good. with uh, Dana White and Dean Thomas. I saw that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. so uh, did you see Zhang Wei Lee? I mean, I want to spend the bulk of my time with you today talking about UFC 242, but did you, did you get up early and watch Zhang Wei Lee? Did you see the fight after the fact? I saw, well, I, I you know what? I got up at six and I watched Mizuki's fight. Okay. Um, right. And then, uh, my heart was kind of pounding. So it took me about an hour to go back to bed. So I, I watched the replay 
which didn't take long at the other fight. But she, uh, I look, I thought Andrade was going to, I thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought Andrade was going to kind of do that to her. So I was way off. And, uh, man, she just looked aggressive and, you know, she mixed it up even with, even in, you know, when she was hammering us, she went from the knees to the elbows. She was, she was good. She looked good. I don't really think he was way off, Kenny, right? Because the other outcome almost happened, right? I mean, not to say, I mean, Zhang Weili's never been finished, I don't believe, right? But yeah. if Andrade lands a couple blows, the the whole narrative, everything changes. This is yeah, true. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I thought that style was actually going to play into Andrade. I, I think, like, when I was talking about this with somebody else, like Rose, that, that in-and-out footwork, perfect balance, you know, mm-hmm. hitting the jab, that's what looks like confuses her because she's a little flat-footed, and she wants to just, you know, uh, plow forward. But this one, I thought, you know, they'd meet, you know, be like a car crash, which it kind of was, but in the other, you know, right. the other direction. By the way, congrats to Mizuki. I didn't see the fight, but uh, split decision winner, correct? Yeah, yeah, split decision. I, I literally, I think, I don't know, I had that as a unanimous decision. Mizuki never took a step backwards, man. Her head movement was phenomenal. She made that girl miss 50 punches. I mean, I just made a miss all over the place. And again, the girl, I'm saying the girl, this is pretty legit. Never took a step forward. So I don't know how they, I mean, I'm going to say right. I had Mizuki winning unanimous, but it was a close fight, but I think you just have to give the rounds to Mizuki. There's no way you could give them to the other girl, but, but it was very, very competitive and it was a, a close fight, but I had Mizuki just, you know, she did exactly what she wanted to do. That, that's the difference in the fight to me. Team Sarah Longo. Let's go. Or is that, that's actually yeah. a law MMA, right? That's Longo Weidman, or is there some Sarah? No, no, that's, that's uh, not Sarah Longo. Okay. All right, so Khabib Nurmagomedov, Dustin Poirier, UFC 242, special 2 p.m. Eastern pay-per-view window this Saturday. I have long called Khabib Nurmagomedov the most dominant force in the game, but I think anyone who has followed Dustin Poirier's career believes greatly that he's got a real chance to go in there and sort of upset the apple cart I know you're going to tell me how tough Dustin Poirier is, but realistically, given the matchup, how do you handicap his chances Saturday night? No, no, he's got a, he definitely has a a chance to win, um, like everybody else does. But he, you know, he's a big 55. I mean, to me, it's it's it all comes down to how he handles getting mauled the first two rounds. I mean, if he survives that, he's he's in the fight. Uh, I think he that Khabib is just so tough. He's just hard to stop with the takedowns, and then his ground and pound is phenomenal. That's, you know, I, I think there's, like, the game plan for Khabib is, you know, uh, like, everybody's seen it now, so they should be used to what's coming. But uh, yeah. if that that's the, that's the thing to me. If he survives those first couple of rounds and he's still got gas in the tank, he's got a shot of winning. But I think Khabib is... Uh, I think fighting in Dubai is going to favor him, and he's uh, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with. So I got to go with Khabib. So, so Ray, you know the way I see it, I, I think he has to get it done early. I, I don't know if he's if he has uh, if his chances increase as the fight goes. Do you see a scenario then where, where Poirier wins a decision against Habib? Uh, that's an interesting question. No, I think he's. I mean, I just feel like with, with Khabib, he looks like his first two rounds, he's brutal. Then he mm-hmm. looks to take a little time off, and then he comes back again. Because, again, even if you look at the Connor fight, 
he clearly, I, if I'm not mistaken, he clearly lost the third round to Khan. Yes. He just not couldn't do enough damage to really slow Khabib down, but he definitely mm-hmm. won the third round. So, mm-hmm. and then he came back in the fourth round, and you know that that's the tricky part. Like, yeah, I think uh, somebody said like Poirier in the fourth round. That would be like the time to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or the third round. And he's gonna. I just think that pace for anybody. It was first the first the pace he puts on in the first two rounds is so rough that, you know, he has to take a break. And if you could survive that mm. without taking too much damage and still have gas in the tank, right? I think that's the opportunity, but it's, it's not an easy task. So are you excited about this afternoon main card? I mean, I think this is perfect, right? I mean, I know you're a night owl, right? Oh, are you going to be even awake yeah, at yeah, night in the owl. afternoon? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no that's going to be perfect. I like it. Hey, I remember, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a couple of guys. I, mean, I had Weidman. We watched well, Frankie Ed before B.J. Penn. It was like 3 o'clock. We were at my house watching the fight. How many years ago that was? I don't even, He wasn't even in the UFC. He was just yeah, starting out, right. I believe. Yeah. Right? It was crazy. Me and another friend of mine, uh, this guy Keith. And, uh, yeah, I, I like it in the afternoon. It, it's, that's pretty cool. So It's funny. The night B.J. Penn and Frankie Edgar fought, Kenny Florian was actually the best lightweight in the world. He just wasn't uh, – getting the opportunity at that point in time but for me at that time april 2010 the best lightweight in the world was actually the the co-host of this podcast he's so biased hey, let, let me say so john, john 2019 and my uh, he's still the best lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys I, listen i'll pay you all right i'll send you the check i owe you jeez thank <laughs> well, you well hey if calvin cater continues this ascension uh kenny florian's name he's is old news. brought up a lot, no, because we're going to say not since Ken Flo has a true <laughs> Bostonian challenged for the UFC championship. All right, Ray, I really appreciate the time on the holiday. Uh, we wish you all the best. I know there's some big names in the gym this morning. Elias Theodoro lending a helping hand or so it looked. Yeah, yeah, we had him, I had him on the podcast. So what a nice guy. Elias is a, is a cool dude. What Very podcast? What podcast we plug in now? Unfiltered or your own podcast? No, that was uh, MMA and Beyond. Oh, okay. How many podcasts now, so, involved? Wow, un, unfiltered, unfiltered, I'll never do that podcast again. <laughs> Good. We like. Hey, hey, here's a message. Here's a message to everyone else with those podcasts out there. Get your own Ray Longo, okay? He belongs to us. Exactly. Thank you, Kenny. You're right. No, I think Sarah threw me off the podcast, so I, you don't don't expect to hear me anytime in the future <laughs> on Unfiltered. I think he threw me off right after I we'll told him I'm you. never coming back again. We'll take you. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Kenny. Yeah. Like a like an adopted dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before they before they send him to the kill shelter, we'll take you. This is this is where my life is at. This is how pathetic my life is. I just drift from Jesus. podcast to podcast. Now. That's what I do. <laughs> right. Oh, is that a uh, microphone? I'll start talking. That's good. That's Great. good. Thank yeah. You. No, you're all I think about I well. See a mic. I'm when I get to Abu Dhabi and I see Matt Sarah, I'm going to remind him that Ray Longo was on episode one. Exactly. Uh, and there we are. There you go. So, all right, my man. Well, enjoy uh, the rest of your week and. Uh, we will talk to you on Monday to recap this pay-per-view, buddy. Thank you. Awesome, man. And when you see him, tell him, make sure you reiterate that uh, last Wednesday was the last time you'll see me on that podcast. I certainly will. Thank you. Great joy in doing so. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take we'll it easy, soon. guys. All right. Hey, happy Labor Day. Enjoy the rest. You too. Have a safe flight. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. There he is, Raymond Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Now, if you found 100 bucks on the street, would you pick it up? 
or would you keep walking? You know, you might look around, but you'd probably take the money. So with that said, why do you keep picking winners in sports and not betting on them? I hear from MMA fans all the time. I had this guy. I had this guy went 11 and two on the fight card. Put your money where your mouth is, folks. That's why I go to mybookie.ag. It's fast. It's easy. They pay when you win, of course. And let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on. You know, I would not be endorsing my bookie if I didn't believe they were the best. Now is the time to make your first deposit. Football season is underway, and you've got a ton of big MMA shows on tap over the next few months as well. You can also bet on games live after kickoff, which some of you may not have known. So if by the second half, maybe it looks like your bet is going to lose. You can hedge the bet, maybe take the other side. Now, if your bankroll is not as fat as Ken flows, and you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little bit and win a lot, you could try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you choose to bet and attack the board, there is no better time to start, of course, than the start of the NFL season. So get in the game. We've got a special offer for Anakin Florian podcast listeners. Join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Florian to activate the offer. That's promo code Florian. One word. Our last name's promo code Florian. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I'm a straight wager guy, but if you like the parlays, may God uh, have mercy on your soul. All right, time for the pronunciation of the week before we bring on Ian Parker and get to the UFC 242 selections. TJ DeSantis, our producer, 6-9 and nine on the year. Bad miss on Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos last week, my man. Easy so this for week, you to we say. Focus, <laughs> we focus on a, uh, on a UFC 242 main event fighter, lightweight division. He faces Dobby Hamosh Saturday in Abu Dhabi. My man, TJ DeSantis, Invicta FC play-by-play man, of whom am I speaking? Islam Makhachev. All right, let's hear uh, Islam. Islam Makhachev. Islam Makhachev. Ken Flo, what do you got? Uh, that I'm... sounded like a Chev. Uh, uh, Islam, Islam Makhachev, not a Hev. So I think he said more, right? TJ was more of a hev than a chev at the end. So my inclination was to give him the point, right? So sometimes with these names and the little things in there, I'm focused on if you emphasize the syllable correctly. So what you will hear on broadcast Saturday night, I will say Islam Mahashev, right? So TJ technically emphasized the wrong syllable in the last name, but because the file is open to interpretation, I'm going to give him the point. I'm going to. Oh, is come that okay? On. Is that okay, Flo, ah, if we make him seven and nine? Uh, you could get to toss him one, okay? Well, That's he, he kind of said Makachev or whatever. It's, it's, it's Makachev, right? It's, so you're yeah. emphasizing the second syllable, and that'll be our right. broadcast focus this weekend. But okay. uh, congrats. Islam Makachev. Give it to him. Give it to him. He's, he's a right. good guy. And we're going to hear more Islam, Islam Makachev in the main event challenge. Let's get to the picks for UFC 242. So you just got it wrong. <laughs> I know. I know. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Well, it is time for the main event challenge as we bring on Ian Parker. It was 107 to 104 for Team Anik heading into UFC. Shen Shen. Ken Flo laid out a great case for Wei Li Zhang, so much so that my twin brother called me before the fight and was like, dude, Ken Flo picks Zhang. I think I'm going to bet on Zhang. 
And I was like, well, he laid out a great case for her, but he did actually pick Jessica Andrade. Ian Parker loaded up on Andrade, but didn't have a terrible weekend, all things considered. But uh, as far as our main event challenge goes, you both hit on Kai Kata France. 1-1 on the week. 108-105 is the lead for Team Anik. Ian Parker, good to have you back with us. I know you're battling hurricane winds in Parkland, Florida. How, how goes that navigation here, buddy, before we get started? Oh, it's not bad right now. It's just, uh, you know, we're getting hit with the on and off rain and wind gusts, I guess, from whatever this is coming. Whatever it's coming, it's just, it's crazy. You know, the storm's moving one mile per hour, so oh. no one's really out of the woods yet. It, yeah, it, uh, unfortunately, the Bahamas are just getting absolutely annihilated. It's really, it's really a sad uh, situation out there. But because it hasn't moved, it's just stalled. They have no idea when this thing's going to start going north. So you and I, my friend, are still kind of... Uh, in the uh, hurry up and wait situation, unfortunately. But uh, I think I did more man labor yesterday than I did in my entire life Oh man! Uh, by myself putting shit in my garage while betting on baseball without even watching the game. So it was like <laughs> the perfect uh, punishment for me, preparing for a hurricane that might not hit me and betting and not getting to watch it. So that's cool. And nothing <laughs> like no research betting Major League Baseball. I will say, though, speaking of mybookie.ag, Betting Major League Baseball in September is one of my favorite times of year and things to do because a lot of the teams that need to win uh, tend to win in the month of September. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But we got to move on here because uh, I don't know how long the power is going to hold up. First fight for us today, fellas, featured prelim on FX. The UFC 242 prelims will be on FX this weekend. Andrea Lee minus 225. Joanne Calderwood plus 175. Lee off to a perfect 3-0 start in the UFC. She has won seven straight overall. Ian, what do you think about Andrea Lee here against JoJo? Huh. Um, I think this is an interesting fight they're giving to JoJo coming off uh, a loss um, recently because Lee is no slouch. and It seems like she's the uh, next one in this weight class they're going to be pushing, promoting, and I think this is a good fight for her. I think her aggression, I think, you know, if she gets this fight to the ground, you know, JoJo can strike. I think Andrea Lee's a little bit more aggressive, and when JoJo's not throwing first, it, she doesn't really do well. I think she gets overwhelmed really easily, and I just think that the pace Andrea Lee is going to set, I do think that the ground game is going to be in her favor, especially if she gets on top. I do like Andrea Lee in this fight, and I think this is going to be the one where people start really noticing her. Even though JoJo's not the biggest name, it's one of the names that people continue to remember because of her stint on the Ultimate Fighter. Ian Parker ready to go today. The hurricane yeah, not phasing Ian Parker at all. Ken Flo I'm Calderwood. fucking ready, bro. I'm fucking ready. <laughs> Flo Calderwood on the brink of contention, I thought, before she ran into Caitlin Chukagian. That was UFC 238 back in June. Lost by unanimous decision. Some observers thought she won that mm-hmm. fight. How do you think she regroups here against Andrea KGB Lee? Well, listen, I think skill-wise uh, on the feet, I think her skills are pretty comparable to that of Andrea Lee. Um, however, as Ian, um, you know, pointed out i think that the big difference uh between the two though are the physical aspects um and andrea lee is just physically more gifted than joanne calderwood i see her kind of bullying her around when she needs to if she isn't going to be able to um kind of out tech joanne calderwood that's something she can always rely on is her physical skills to kind of throw her around maybe take her to the mat utilize some ground and pound chip away grind out the win i see andrea lee winning this one as well All right, couple picks there on Andrea Lee right now in the minus 225 range, which brings us to one of three lightweight fights on the main card this weekend. This one pitting Marbeck Taisumov against Diego Fajeda. Taisumov, the minus 270 favorite. Diego Fajeda in the plus 210 range. 
IP. A couple guys here on the cusp, I would think, of the top 15 at 155 pounds. What do you think about Ty Sumov against Diego Fajeda? I think this fight is uh, super important for Ty Sumov. Reason being is everyone's been waiting to see if he's really ready for the next level or to push him to the next level. The biggest issue, I think, has been the visa issues and the lack of activity only fighting once a year. Um, you know, for Diego Ferreira, his last fight was a very big win for him, probably the biggest one of his career. I think that was unexpected. I just think this is, again, another guy who's got does have an advantage in the ground in this fight, but he's getting way too comfortable because he's been having success in the striking game. And a guy, and a guy in Tysimov who's just, I think, is so powerful for this weight class. I think his striking, he's probably one of the better strikers that people don't really know about. He's just, his, tech, his technicality is there. The power, he just explodes his combos. He's not a one-punch-and-leave guy. And Ferreira kind of relies on the overhand right power. And I think if he keeps this fight standing and doesn't bring it to the ground, he's in for a rude awakening. That's the only reason why the odds are in such favor of Tysimov as they are because of the way that Diego's been fighting in his last four fights. If you would have seen him win by four fights and win by submission, these odds would be way different. Different, But because he's been winning and really favoring his striking, Tysimov is going to have the advantage if this fight doesn't go to the ground. I'm going to give it to Tysimov. I think he's going to win in really big fashion, and then he needs to get a big push. All right, nicely done there, Ian. Ken Flo Fajeda has won four in a row. Tysimov, six in a row. He's 7-1 and one in the UFC. Only lost way back in 2014 against your guy, Michel Prezetich. Your thoughts on Tysimov here against Fajeda? Um, you know, as Ian pointed out, this is a guy in Tysimov who um, it has some consistency, of course, uh, in the UFC, but um, hasn't been as active as, say, Fajeda. So, um, I, I think that there are some question marks in regards to Tysimov uh, on the ground. Um, he isn't so sure of himself. He will put himself into some bad situations, I think. Um, his best shot is to win it uh, on the feet. I think he definitely has a little bit more power uh, than Fajeda, but he's not going to be as big as Fajeda, I, I, I believe. I, I don't think he's as big as, as, uh, as Fajeda, and I think right. um, you know if he's not able to get it uh, get it done early. I, I think it's going to go to decision. Uh, and I think Fajeda does have a good chance of maybe catching him on the ground. I'm going to go with the underdog here, Fajeda. And the, it, the numbers say they're both five, nine, one inch reach advantage for Diego Fajeda. But I remember being across from Diego Fajeda in May when mm. he wasn't even able to weigh in for that fight with Francisco Trinaldo that went away at UFC 237. He's a big boy. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So I think you're onto something there. All right. Next fight for us. In the heavyweight division, Curtis Blades, minus 360. Now I think minus 460 or so. It has moved since I sent out the numbers to these guys. Facing the plus 270 wow. underdog here, Shamil Abdurahimov. Second start of the year for Curtis Blades. Beat Justin Willis in March to bounce back from that brutal knockout loss to Francis Ngannou, which was late 2018. Ian, what do you think about Curtis Blades? Seems like some, some money has come in on him over the last 24, 48 hours or so. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's a smart play, and, I, and I'm not just saying this because of the favorite. I just think that he has fought such a higher level of competition. I think him getting you know dropped by Nganyu should not really, um, what's the word for it, just kind of all of a sudden cha change everyone's minds on his skill level. I still think he's a top-five heavyweight. I still think he can make a run at some point. It's just you run to a guy like Nganyu, and if you get touched on the chin, you go, you go down. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are at this point. I just think that Curtis Blades is one of these heavyweights, and when Kenny and I did this breakdown against Justin Willis, you know, Willis is just a very, very smaller, you know, in regards to height, reach, everything. But Blades is just like what everyone used to talk about with Kane, just obviously not as good as wrestling. He's this 
faster, more athletic version, not the 265-pound heavyweight that we're kind of accustomed to seeing. I just think that the speed and athleticism here, I think he'll be able to use his jab. I, I do think his opponent is a very good fighter, just maybe too much too soon. I think this will be another win for Blades, give him his confidence. Then after this, a top-five fight for him. So I do like Curtis Blades for the win here. Yeah, Kenny, I agree that Abdurahimov is sort of underappreciated, underrated guy. He's plus 270 and I think now plus 330 in some spots, despite the fact that he's won his last three. Hasn't lost since Derek Lewis rallied to beat him in a main event back in 2016. And in that fight, he was winning until Lewis rallied. Uh, what do you think about this heavyweight matchup? Any value on the Abdurahimov side or, or are you all Curtis Blades this weekend? You know, listen, as far as showing up and performing, this is a guy who is perhaps more consistent than Curtis Blades in some ways. Um, you know what you're going to get with uh, Abdurahimov. This is a guy who is extremely durable. He can take a lot of shots. Um, he knows how to win rounds, um, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes out there. Um, however, I, I think speed, uh, is going to be a factor here with Curtis blades, uh, both with his wrestling and his ability to land shots on the feet. Um, and you know, I, I think Curtis can kind of have some lapses in judgment, but I don't think, uh, Abdurahimov is the kind of guy that can really take advantage of that fully like other fighters have against Curtis Blades. I think this is Curtis Blades' fight to lose. I, I like Blades in this one. All right, a couple plays there on Curtis Blades. Now we get to a featured bout at lightweight Islam Makhachev. Islam Makhachev. See, now I'm in my own head. I got to get this right here in a couple days. Regardless of how you pronounce it, this kid's the real deal. 17-1, and one, prohibitive minus 300 favorite here against... Another guy who's also highly thought of in Davi Hamosh, he comes back as a plus 230 underdog. Hamosh has won four in a row, three of them by submission. Undefeated in the weight class, Ian, but most people think he'll be up against it here this weekend. Your thoughts on this featured bout at a buck 55, kid? Um, I, this one, this matchup <clears throat> confuses me a little bit with uh, Islam. I definitely feel like he should be uh, fighting higher up in the division, and it's not a knock on uh, Ham Hamos, Hamos. It's just that the difference in where they're at in their careers. I think with someone like Hamos, they need to give him someone that he can strike a little bit. I mean, his last fight went the full three rounds and it, his striking got sloppy, you know, and against someone like Islam, if you, if he can't get this fight to the ground, he will get finished on the feet. And I do think Islam is just the complete package. I think this is somebody that if he wants to put you on the ground, he will. He's a very, his IQ is through the roof. He doesn't really put himself in too many bad positions. And in a fight like this, he has to use that IQ because Hamos or Hamos, I'm sorry, I keep mispronouncing his name. Um, it's just so good on the ground as well. And it's very dangerous, very powerful. I just think Islam's got too many tools. I think his cardio is going to be a huge factor here. As we saw in that last fight, Hamos really, he went the distance, but it was sloppy. I think Islam can win this however he wants to. He just has to be smart on the ground and not make any mistakes, and I think he gets the victory here. Flo Makhachev, 6-1 and one in the UFC, got KO'd by Adriano Martins in a minute and 46 seconds. That was his second UFC fight, yeah. but has otherwise just been absolutely dominant. Your thoughts on, on Islam's ceiling and ultimately how this matchup goes against Davi Hamosh? Uh, I think he's a, a tremendous takedown artist. Um, I do think he gets a little sloppy on the feet uh, at times. I think that kind of comes from his Sambo background a little bit, you know, gets a little excited on the feet. Um, he needs to be careful on the feet against someone like Davi Hamos. Hamos, not, maybe not the most technical striker either, but uh, I, I think... You don't want to get wild against someone like Hamos, who will kind of invite that at times. 
And I'll tell you what, yes, Mahashev is good on the ground as well, but he is not at the level of Davi Hamos. You're talking about a guy who is a ADCC world champion. Lucas Lepre, uh, let me give you a little jiu-jitsu nerd knowledge. Lucas Lepre is it. one of the greatest jiu-jitsu competitors of all time. Okay, this is a guy who has won multiple world championships, done it in a variety of ways. You don't get to even score against this guy. Davi Hamo submitted him with a flying arm lock uh, in ADCC. So Davi is extremely explosive. Um, he will chase your back. He will chase any submission and every opportunity out there. He's good at attacking feet as well. Islam Mahashev isn't safe on the ground. I'll tell you right now, if he does, he's going to have to stall his way to victory. That is a possibility for sure. But I'm going with the underdog here. And of course, I'm very biased towards jujitsu players. I'm going with Davi Hamos uh, to get a big upset win here over Islam Mahashev or however you want to pronounce it. I don't know anymore. Well, I love the conviction on the Hamosh side, and I love the jiu-jitsu background, and I'm going to steal it all for his walk to the Octagon this weekend as I listen back to the Anakin Florian podcast on the flight. But yeah, I mean, Hamosh, as I mentioned, undefeated in the weight class, only UFC lost to Sergio Marais, and that was up a division on a week's notice in Fort Deleza back in 2017. So uh, very competitive fight and certainly worthy of that main card slot uh, on a big UFC weekend. All right. The fights only get bigger from here. Co-main event rematch. Edson Barboza, Paul Felder. Barboza minus 185. Paul Felder plus 150. It's tightened up a little bit. I'm seeing Felder now showing at plus 135. Ken Flo's going to lead the dance here, Kenny. First meeting, competitive fight of the night in Chicago. Long time ago, though. That was July of 2015. Unanimous decision went to Barboza that time around. Felder, though, in a much different place career-wise. Going for a fifth straight lightweight win here. That all mixed in with a split decision loss up at welterweight against Platinum Mike Perry. What do you think about this co-main event? Paul Felder, Edson Barboza will need the winner and the method of victory, please. Uh, I, I do think that uh, Felder is in a different place mentally. Uh, I do think he's going to be the larger fighter, as he probably is against any 155-pounder out there. Um, I do think, though, where he will struggle again is with the speed of Edson Barbosa. Uh, Edson has uh, just lightning hand speed and leg speed. I think for Felder, he's got to make the octagon as small as possible. If Felder can get to the clinch and make it more of a traditional Muay Thai fight, work those short knees and elbows, that's where he can really win this fight and tire out and slow down Edson Barbosa. If he's able to do that, he can win that fight. He's simply not going to win it on the outside, though. That's where he kind of failed in his approach. Skill-wise, though, I don't know if Felder has added in added uh, on a lot of new weapons since they last fought. Felder, to me, is a little bit cleaner overall, no doubt about it. But I don't know if he has anything new as far as an approach that he can offer uh, Edson Barbosa. Just, like I said, just kind of getting to the clinch and making it a very small octagon out there is going to be his best uh, path to victory. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it, though. I think it will be a close decision win for Edson Barbosa. All right, Ken Flo going with Edson Jr. Barboza in the co-main event. Ian, Barboza has just fought a beastly schedule, especially when you line it up next to Paul Felders. I mean, how about these names? Khabib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, Donald Cerrone, Justin Gaethje, Kevin Lee, Showtime Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Benil Daryush, Dan Hooker, Michael Johnson. I could go on. Now, Barboza's yet to realize UFC title fight. This is his 22nd UFC appearance overall. 
And if he loses here, it would be for the fourth time in his last five. Fact remains, though, Ian, I think this is one of the most accomplished strikers in UFC history. And albeit slightly, I think he deserves the distinction as the favorite here against my dear friend and broadcast partner, Paul Felder. Your thoughts on Felder's chances here against Barboza this weekend? Well, <clears throat> the answer your well, to kind of agree with you with the schedule here, that's just kind of what happens when you're in a division like 55. I think Barboza doesn't get enough credit for how long he's hung in this top, you know, level of competition. And it's grueling, you know, and it's grueling. And for the beatings he's delivered, he's received some really harsh ones in return. And that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, yeah. I think Kenny really, really hit a lot of this on the head, you know, and I was going to say this, the only thing that we've seen from Felder is that he beat James Vick, which... In that fight, to me, it just seemed like Vic was afraid of getting, you know, knocked out the way Gaethje hit him. And he was just too hesitant. And sometimes when we see Felder fight, like a fight against Mike Perry, I think most people thought Felder had, you know, the overall skill set to do it. The only thing I will disagree with with Kenny here is that I don't think in the clinch Felder does have the advantage. I know his elbows are devastating, but I think the only time that's going to really be the advantage, and I think he needs to... I'm hoping he's doing this, but I think he needs to put Barboza on his back in the first round just to kind of tire him out a little mm. bit. And I know that's going to sound a little cliche, but if you have a guy in Barboza who relies on his speed and his leg kicks, which it doesn't matter how you prepare for it, they're coming. And he's going to hit you with a few of them, right? If you put a guy like him on his back and Felder's able to land the elbows and just grind out the first round, it doesn't have to finish Barboza. But think about how demoralized Barboza will be going into round two right? Where Felder's confidence would be. And now Barboza is going to be threatened by Felder's takedown. And then Felder can kind of pick him apart. If, if he doesn't utilize that strategy, because listen, when Bar- Barboza's on the ground, we've seen guys like Kevin Lee and obviously Habib dominate him. Otherwise in striking battles, you know, not many people you're going to put against Barboza and feel comfortable doing so. I agree with Kenny. I don't think Felder has done anything to show us that he's any more prepared than he was then. I think Barboza is a steal right now on the betting side uh, at where he's at. I, you know, just because he lost his last fight, it doesn't mean he's any different. This guy somehow shakes off these really bad losses and comes back, and he's not one of these guys that just changes his game plan. He sticks to it because for the longest time it's worked. I like Edson Barboza here. I'm going to start changing Kenny's nickname to the fucking decision. Um, <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> Um, but, but I get, I get, I get it though. It's hard to see Paul Felder getting finished. Um, oh man, I, I got to play strategy here. I'm going to say decision also because you pick some, some wild, uh, underdogs. I will tell you the only underdog that I really don't agree with you on is, uh, Hamos because his cardio is, is not good. And if it gets past the second round, Islam is just going to rip him apart, but I'll go by those decision as well and play it safe. But I will tell the betters out there. I think Barbosa is a steal at this number. Um, I really, really do. I think he should be minus 225. Coming on here trying to call the I finish fights guy the decision. <laughs> <laughs> See that? Unbelievable. Templo took can... the judges out all the time, Ian. All the time. That's right. That's right. We got to change the recording. I want to do a voiceover. I finish fights to a decision. <laughs> Florian. <laughs> Ask your buddy Clay Guida about decisions. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I love Clay. <laughs> See, Clay can take <laughs> it's been a very pro Ken flow show as far as the, the John Anna commentary. All right. It has. Main event. Oh, am I excited? I'm going to stand up. Wish we had video. I'm going to fucking stand up right now. UFC lightweight title unification bout. The undefeated champion, Khabib Nurmagomedov, most dominant force in the game at present, minus 400 against the interim champion, 
Dustin Poirier, plus 300 as the underdog, at least right now here as we sit here on a Monday morning. Ian Parker with the round, the method of victory, sir. Who do you have in the main event at UFC 242? I got goosebumps even thinking about this fight right now. Um, the, the, the method of victory is going to be the hardest one for me to choose. Just in general, this is, this is so hard. People are going to say it's your classic wrestler or it's classic striker, but it, it just, it, it's not. Poirier's been able to keep the fight on his feet against other guys. It's just, oh, man, I, I'm so curious to hear Kenny's breakdown with this. I just look at a guy in Habib that has, you know, outside of the Connor fight, he has taken some shots and he somehow always gets to the fight to the ground. People want to say, oh, he got tagged by Michael Johnson. He did get tagged by Michael Johnson after a long layoff. But Michael Johnson's also a very underrated guy with his hands. A lot of power, a lot of speed at that weight class. But Habib bounced back and just dominated him and finished him. You know, people were, you know, thought Connor was going to be able to outbox him, which he should. But when you're so scared of getting taken out by Habib, he lands an overhand right. It's there. I just feel like with the way things have been going lately with, with all these underdogs and these unexpected Turn events. I'll be the first one to say congratulations to Lee this weekend. I did not expect her to knock out Andrade in the first round. I didn't even expect her to win. You know, Stipe beating DC. There's just been so much of this going on. And I'm such a big Dustin Poirier fan. I'd love nothing more than to see him apply the pressure. You know, the other day his coach did an interview and said, we're going to make Habib tired. I don't know if that's even possible. Um, fuck, John. This is a really, really hard fight to pick. People are probably saying I'm crazy that Habib's just going to take him down and dominate. But Poirier does not get taken down that easy. He's also really good at jujitsu. Man, this is fucking rough. Um, I mean, do you want uh, Flo to go first? Is that really what you want? Because we can give you another minute. I'm happy to do that. You know I'm gonna, what? That's I'm, what I'm, gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass it to Ken Flo. I need a little bit more. Time oh wow! For, for the first time in the history well, of, of the main event challenge, say, he's unsure. I'm gonna pull that lifeline. I'm going to pull the lifeline because we're winning, and I let off every single fight except for the co-main. So I'm going to use the lifeline right now. And okay. Kenful, you absolutely reserve the right at any point the rest of the way to throw it back on Ian. I'm just going to set up some numbers here before I lay out for the great Kenny Florian. So, Khabib 27 and 0, Poirier 25 and 5. As I sort of articulated when we talked to Ray Longo, I think anyone who knows Dustin Poirier, the man and the fighter, and anyone who's followed his career, know that they got a real live underdog here. I'm not sitting here saying he's a live underdog, but I think most people who know what this man is made of made of in terms of his metal mentally physically otherwise intangibly they like dustin poirier's chances i think he's fighting a guy in khabib Nurmagomedov who is the most dominant force in the game who no one has really had great answers for um but i do believe poirier plus 300 is going to entice a lot of betters it is ufc 242 khabib versus poirier ken flow with the round and the method who do you like Okay, so for Habib Nurmagomedov, this is a guy who um, will pressure you repeatedly. Um, he can uh, get a little bit sloppy early on, though. You mentioned the Michael Johnson fight, Ian. Um, that was one where he kind of he got a little bit stunned for sure. It was able to come back and uh, dominate Johnson after that. Same thing with Connor. Connor caught him with that flying knee early in the first round. That's where you're going to catch Habib, in my opinion. I think it only gets worse for you uh, over time. If Dustin Poirier isn't able to get it done early, uh, let's say with a flying knee, for example, or something like that, I just don't see it happening for him. I, I think Habib is going to be all over him. I think Dustin is very good on the ground. I think he's solid on the ground, I should say. Um, but he's, he's best when he gets on top. 
I don't see a scenario where he's able to sweep or get on top of Habib. I, I just don't see it. If he gets it done, it's going to be something like a big flying knee. Even when we saw his fight against Max Holloway, who's a 145-pounder, yes, Dustin Poirier beat up Max Holloway really badly, which was extremely impressive. Um, however, he didn't show that he's got that tremendous power that um, if he hits you just right, he's going to take you out. Holloway is very well known for his chin, but if he's not able to knock out someone like Holloway with all of the shots that he landed that, in that fight, I don't see him doing it to someone like Habib Nurmagomedov unless it's some kind of shin to the dome or some flying knee, which is you know can, can knock anybody out. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I think Habib only gets stronger as the fight goes on, and I also think he has a great way of making you fight a grinding battle early on, which tends to take out a lot of that power and speed later in the fight. I think Poirier is a completely different fighter uh, than, say, a few years ago, but even Poirier himself said the toughest matchup would be a Habib Nurmagomedov fight. Uh, I think he's right. Um, I do see Habib winning this fight uh, by fourth round TKO uh, You know, in, in this fight. I see him landing a lot of shots, uh, hurting Poirier, and the fight getting stopped. Um, so I would love for uh, Poirier to, to get a win here. It would be a tremendous story. I just don't see it happening against someone who is consistent like Habib Nurmagomedov. Not to mention, he plays a safe fight. He, he consistently tries to get to a clinch. He's not out there trading like repeatedly. Um, I think that he picks and chooses those times wisely. He takes a safe approach. There's a reason why he's undefeated in a sport where very few are, and he's doing it in the most difficult division in the UFC. Habib will remain champion here. Ken Flo's official pick, Habib Nurmagomedov, by round four TKO. And you hit on something that I'm going to ask Habib when we sit down with him on Thursday in Abu Dhabi, just in terms of the fight approach, because word on the street is that his striking has gotten really good. He's going southpaw times in training and looking really sharp out of that stance. But right, in a path of least resistance, risk management type sport, uh, everything Habib has tried to do and tried to execute, uh, largely he has done so with flying colors. Of course, Poirier on the other side, Ian, just a true competitor, technical, tough, motivated, hungry, in his fighting prime. The time has got to be now, man. We're getting out of here in three minutes. You like Poirier or Khabib? Yeah, no, no. I'll only take up a month, another minute. I apologize. I, I think Kenny pretty much was saying everything I kind of wanted to say. I just I feel like I really want to take Poirier. My, my issue with Dustin with this fight, to Kenny's point, I don't think he's really in, in this list of people that he's uh, knocked off. The only one that he's really fought with a high wrestling pedigree was Gaethje and Gaethje never threatened the wrestling. He threatened those leg kicks. But yeah. Poirier gets stronger as the fight goes on also. But to Kenny's point, sometimes when something just works so well and you know how to play it safe, and guys have landed on Habib since. I don't think since Michael Johnson, Habib, when hit clean like with Connor, was even phased. I, you know, I'm going to go Habib fifth round TKO finish. Um, I will tell you guys this on a betting standpoint. All right, if you guys are up on the night, I have no problem with putting money on Poirier. I am going to do a parlay and probably throw Poirier in the main event and hedge it with Habib if I get there. But this fight, I'm, so, I'm just really excited for. It's just so hard to pick a method of victory. Kenny, I think you hit it perfectly right there. I couldn't have said it any better, man. That's why Ken Flo's the man, right? <laughs> oh, shit. Ken, no, listen. Ken, no, Ken, listen. Ken, Flo, Ken Flo's a legend for a reason. You know, I just – sometimes I try, people write to me and I try to find reasons why to – 
you know, in, you know, give the value on the underdog here because Dustin does have paths to victory if yeah. the fight can stay standing. But the problem is that, to, again, to Kenny's point, if Dustin couldn't knock out Max, who's a true 145er, and we've seen uh, Habib get rocked and hit and not get phased by someone like Connor, you know, and he could keep moving forward. It's who's to say he's going to be any different here. I just don't know. Maybe Justin Gaethje is the crazy fight for, uh, or Tony Ferguson is the crazy fight for Habib, but Dustin's got a shot here, man. If he lands in that first or second round, he could win, but it's hard to bet against Habib. He's just so good. So good. All right, Ian Parker. Thank you, buddy. Sorry for that wayward outburst a moment ago. The sky made some weird noise that, that you heard that. Yeah. That hit me over here too. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, buddy. Stay we will, safe, uh, dude. Yeah. We'll talk to you next Monday. Ian. Thank you, bro. You got it, man. Have a safe flight, John. Thank you, man. All right, that is it for the main event challenge. A lot of agreement, at least towards the tail end there. Thank you all for listening. We got to get out of here. Thank you to the usual suspects, Ray Longo, TJ DeSantis, Ian Parker. To those of you in the Bahamas or the southeastern United States in the path of Hurricane Dorian, God bless you all. Hope you all stay safe. And we hope to see you all this weekend from Abu Dhabi, UFC 242, special 2 p.m. Eastern start time on pay-per-view. Cannot wait to see how it all plays out. And we'll be right back to recap it with you on Monday morning. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anderson. So long for now. Stay safe out there. Don't text and drive. Go fucking late. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.